This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, May 13th, 2021. Thanks for joining us in the WBBM Noon Business Hour, presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. I'm Rob Hart, sitting in for Cisco Cotto today. Change of administration in Washington has implications for college affordability. We'll recover that next as part of our Education Week. But first, the latest gauge of inflation is out today. We're joined by Carl Riccadonna, chief U.S. economist with Bloomberg, based in New York. Carl, thanks for joining us today. The uh, inflation, uh, inflationary numbers that we have seen in the last uh, couple of uh, reports on consumer prices and uh, other uh, uh, other metrics, uh, there's been some debate in the world of economics whether this is uh, just simply uh, the result of an economy lurching back to uh, what it used to be before the pandemic, or if this uh, might be a, a little bit of a longer-term issue. Well, good afternoon, Rob. Uh, Thanks for inviting me on the program. Uh, I don't think we have a longer-term issue here, so it's kind of a lazy narrative to uh, dust off the bell-bottoms and uh, brace for a repeat of uh, 1970s-era stagflation. Uh, That's not what's happening. What we're seeing here is the economy is reopening, and uh, it's reopening very swiftly thanks to uh, very aggressive uh, fiscal stimulus measures, rebate checks, uh, bank uh, loan subsidies, et cetera, et cetera. All of these factors mean that we are uh, springing back very robustly. The economy may even grow at a 10% pace in the current quarter. Uh, that's a phenomenal number uh, for the U.S. economy, which ordinarily grows uh, around 2% or even a little bit less. Uh, so it's with that fast pace, of course, there are strains <clears throat> and stresses in the system. Uh, I've seen that show up in uh, a number of price categories. Uh, they seem to be one not something that's going to endure uh, through the end of this year, for example. And then one other number that came out this morning, and that is uh, jobless claims, uh, weekly jobless claims declining more than expected. Now, this comes hot off the heels of the April employment report last Friday that was uh, rather disappointing because it came in substantially under expectations. So with uh, with the employment report below expectations, but the uh, weekly jobless claims exceeding expectations, what are we to make of the labor market right now? Claim filings. These are new applications for unemployment insurance uh, through a couple of different lenses. So uh, ordinary, if we look at the number of new applications, that tells us how many people are getting fired in the economy uh, at any given moment. Uh, there's not a lot of firing happening at the moment because there's so much hiring a worker shortage and employers are, are going to, if they had to lay off workers, they would have laid them off during the, the downturn, not at the moment where the economy is really surging forward. Uh, so instead of looking at that initial applications number, uh, if we look at the total number of beneficiaries that collecting unemployment, uh, we see that number that 
but it's only gradually moving lower. And that tells us that there's some uh, some sluggishness in the in the labor uh, component of the economy uh, that's keeping people from jumping back into the workforce. And that could be uh, an incomplete uh, vaccination uh, program. We're making great progress there, but certainly far from uh, herd immunity or complete vaccination uh, success for uh, the populace. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, about 40 percent of large school districts are still doing uh, distance learning, which means that uh, one parent is home uh, with kids uh, if they can't arrange for that. Uh, there's concerns about the virus, and uh, so for any number of reasons, uh, including uh, generous unemployment benefits, people are rushing back into the labor market, and uh, that's why we're seeing this friction element here with the slower-than-expected uh, job creation, uh, as we saw last Friday. Thanks for joining us, Carl Riccadonna, Chief U.S. Economist at Bloomberg, based in New York. Coming up, Education Week continues with the focus on making college affordable. News that makes you money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. This is Education Week on the Noon Business Hour, sponsored by St. Xavier University. And in this segment, we're talking about college affordability and how it could be impacted by the change in the White House. We welcome in Frank Palmasani, college affordability and financial aid expert and college counselor, Providence Catholic High School in New Lenox. Thanks for joining us today, Frank. Uh, it was a big issue during the Democratic primary and again during the uh, general election campaign last year, uh, the notion of making college affordable. And there are a number of uh, uh, proposals on the table about how to either uh, forgive a percentage of student loans or to make college free entirely. Uh, since you are in the business of uh, counseling parents on uh, ways to make their uh, college experience more affordable, with a new administration in Washington, what is within the realm of the possible about uh, potentially bringing down the cost of college in the next four years. Rob, thanks so much for, for having me on. This is really an important topic. And I know that um, in the State of the Union, uh, President Biden talked about the possibility of the two-year free community college. And personally, I would love to see the resources that would be used for that initiative to actually go into kind of a drastic reformation of the entire financial aid system. Uh, I don't believe that uh, providing opportunities for everyone for a free education for a couple of years uh, really is targeted enough toward families who, uh, you know, most desperately need support. So I think there are really creative ways, and I'm hoping that there are some opportunities that develop. I see that uh, Romney and Cinema, Senators Romney and Cinema, have a proposal that I was reading about today that sounds interesting. Uh, it kind of lends itself toward uh, ideas that I have about a cooperative way that everyone can participate in a student's education. If there's the the family that participates, the student participates with some reasonable borrowing, the state participates, the federal government participates, and the institution. You know, there are many colleges today, Rob, that are discounting their costs at around 50%. So uh, there's a lot of creative ways that we can handle this situation going forward. Very quickly, when you are uh, counseling a family that's uh, getting ready to uh, look at colleges and they're starting to discuss their financial mix, uh, between private savings or tax-free savings accounts, uh, uh, financial aid and scholarship aid, what's generally the mixture the average student will encounter before he or she goes to college? So, you know, this is really a good point. A lot of this depends upon the resources that the family has. 
But making college affordable over the last decade or so has has been more about making wise decisions. In other words, um, you know, the the opportunities to receive assistance have lessened so dramatically in terms of revenue available from the federal or the state level. And so now you have the institution doing discounting and then the 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 family themselves assessing that marketplace and then attempting to determine of the colleges out there which ones are affordable to us. Um, if you take a narrow focus, if uh, students or parents are only looking at several schools and certain types of schools, affordability became very difficult. But if you take a wider view and you understand the broad marketplace of colleges and the many options that are available, most families can find affordable options. Thank you very much. Frank Palmasani, college affordability and financial aid expert, college counselor at Providence Catholic High School in New Lenox. Coming up next as part of Education Week, what the City Colleges of Chicago can offer to students. Buy. Sell. Listen. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Education Week continues on the Noon Business Hour. Let's put a spotlight on some of the more affordable options offered by the City Colleges of Chicago. Joining us now on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Juan Salgado, Chancellor, City Colleges of Chicago. Juan, thanks for joining us this afternoon. A couple of weeks ago, I found myself at Wright College, where a bunch of uh, engineering students were putting on a robotics competition, and it was their first in-person event of the academic year and they're all happy to be together. So does this mean that uh, in-person education will continue once uh, the fall semester begins? Uh, that's correct, Rob. Thanks for having me. We will have in-person, but now as a result of the pandemic, we'll also have uh, the online live, which will continue to remote instruction along with our traditional online. So students are going to have more choices as a result of this pandemic in order to meet uh you know, their needs, uh, their scheduling needs, their education needs. That's what's wonderful about a place like City Colleges in Chicago where you can dream big, go local, um, and have all the flexibility at an affordable cost and excellence, right? What you saw with the robotics competition, these are students that are going from Wright College directly to Illinois Tech, directly to uh, the Granger School of Engineering at uh, UIUC uh, in Champaign, and so, you know, don't uh, defer your dreams. Don't put them on hold. Uh, we've got lots of different opportunities for you to make those dreams a reality. Coming out of the pandemic, there will be opportunities. Make sure they're for you. <laughs> well, we have a minute left here. Uh, just to, to talk about that flexibility, though, to some of the students I talked to at that event uh, about a month ago said uh, they were either going to city colleges for all four years or to get a, a four-year equivalent of, of college credits to graduate or they were going to knock some credits out of the way in a low-cost fashion before, as you said, they move on to some other institution. Yeah, so we, we, we do have that transfer possibility, but we also have very short-term certificate programs, aviation tech, early childhood, cybersecurity, nursing assistant, getting into legalized cannabis industry. You name it, we pretty much have it in terms of short-term get you in the marketplace, but also get you an associate's degree and also get your transfer into four-year institutions. So it's customized to your needs. Uh, I'd say to you know, folks that are interested, uh, they just give us a call, 773-COLLEGE, or visit our website, www.ccc.edu. Uh, we're here to big, be of service. 
Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Juan Salgado, Chancellor, City Colleges of Chicago. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, the hack of a major oil pipeline is drawing attention to cybersecurity of America's aging infrastructure. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A small plane has made an emergency landing on the Veterans Tollway. WBBM's Bo Duran will join us with the latest. It's Technology Thursday. We'll take a closer look at the implications of that pipeline hacking that caused some gasoline shortages in the southeast. And Ford is getting ready to introduce new technology that could allow it to collect data on millions of drivers. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 349 points. The Nasdaq up 26. The S&P 500 up 37. AccuWeather says sunny to Partly cloudy, a pleasant afternoon, a high today of 67, upper 50s along the lakefront. Right now we have 66 degrees in Chicago at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a small plane has made an emergency landing on a suburban tollway. Let's get the latest now live from WBBM's Bo Duran in the 24-hour traffic center. Yeah, Rob, this happened in New Lenox about an hour ago in the southbound lanes of 355, just before U.S. 6. A small single-engine Cessna had to make an emergency landing in the lanes of southbound 355. It's now in the two left lanes. It ended up over on the shoulder, did make contact with the median wall there on the southbound side of 355. There are a lot of emergency vehicles on the scene, as you can imagine. The good news is that uh, the pilot and passenger of of the plane uh, do have injuries, but they are non-life-threatening. They were transported to Silver Cross Hospital with uh, the non-life-threatening injuries. But the plane remains on the road on 355 in the southbound lanes just before US 6, and we have pictures of it on Twitter at WBBM 780 Traffic. Live in the 24-hour traffic center, Bo Duran, News Radio 105.9 FM. WBBM News Time 1232. The noon business hour continues, presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Stocks are higher today. We're joined by Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. What a difference a day makes. Uh, One day after a big drop, uh, markets are rocking and rolling once again. So it sounds like as far as uh, investors are concerned and traders are concerned, uh, the good times continue. Well, at least for this this morning so far, until now, we'll, we'll see what happens. It feels as if the, the three days of weakness that we saw earlier this week, that feels like that may continue here. And what we're getting is kind of a, you know, a, a, a trader snapback, so to speak. We'll have a better idea tomorrow and obviously next week, but I'm not sure that from a, a short-term correction standpoint, we're out of the woods yet. Now, you know, longer term, the primary trend of the market, which is a trend that we typically focus on in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, if not longer, it's still firmly in the bullish camp. I mean, you had the S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrials, the Dow Jones Transportation Average, all moving to, to new all-time highs as recently as last Friday. So, you know, those bode well for the longer trend. But, you know, you can get these 5 to 8% pullbacks in the market at any time, and, and it feels like we may see a little bit more of a continuation of the first three days of this week, perhaps uh, perhaps next week. Does this also reflect uh, the fact that uh, everyone's had more time to kind of digest uh, the reports on inflation and the job report from last week, and that uh, maybe the uh, this inflationary situation is uh, just temporary, a sign of the economy reopening, and not a sign that uh, uh, interest rates will be raised in a meaningful way anytime soon? 
Well, perhaps. You know, I think today, for example, what may be spurring a little bit of the the trading, the positive trading activity is the fact that the 10-year basically kind of went up and thumped off that previous high of around 1.7 and then pulled back. So that may be giving some solace to, to traders thinking that perhaps, you know, we didn't go through that. We didn't go to a new, a new uh, you know, intermediate high in the 10-year, uh, and, and that's a positive for stocks, uh, and, and that's what's translating into the market today. Again, uh, we're, we're talking about pretty short-term focus here on things like the 10-year uh, and inflation, but uh, I think that might be one of the things that's spurring a little bit of bullishness today as well. What's the Dow theory telling you? Dow theory is firmly in the bullish camp. Uh, again, you know, the Dow theory looks at the, the Dow Jones Industrial and the Dow Jones Transportation Average, um, looks at the S&P 500 as kind of a confirmation of those two averages, and as I mentioned, all three of them recently moved to new important highs uh, as recently as last Friday. So from a Dow Theory perspective, uh, this is unequivocally uh, still in the primary bull market trend. And I might add real quickly, you know, most major market declines are really instigated by a significant deterioration in economic conditions, i.e. a recession. And the best barometer for future economic activity truly is the Dow Jones transportation average. And they have done exceedingly well going to a new all-time high last Friday. And, and so I think the, the type of thing that really leads to those significant market declines i.e. recessions, I think that's off the table for now, given the strength in the Dow Transport. So that's a good thing from a longer-term perspective for this market. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Chuck Carlson, CEO, Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter, based in Hammond, Indiana. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, how the hack of an oil pipeline reflects infrastructure cybersecurity in the U.S. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday, and this afternoon we're discussing the cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline, which stretches from Texas to New York. Joining us now on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Jerry Irvine, CEO, uh, CIO of Prescient Solutions in Chicago and member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force. Jerry, uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon. It sounds like the inevitable. Uh, this was the type of event that cybersecurity experts uh, such as yourself had been warning against for a long time of uh, hackers uh, staging a cyber attack on uh, infrastructure, whether it's a pipeline or a power grid. And uh, here we are. And what are your thoughts on, uh, on what has transpired over the last uh, several days? The critical infrastructure is made up of uh, large amounts of industrial types of computers they call them PLCs or programmable, programmable logic controllers or industrial control systems. And these things are just little bitty chips that have very little room for security on them. And so they're very easily hacked uh, and were never designed to be accessible from the Internet. Unfortunately, because of the distributed nature of the world today, uh, everybody now is, is maintaining these devices uh, across the internet, and they're using VPNs in some situations to do it, but it's leaving the world very vulnerable, and uh, uh, there's there's going to be a lot more of it. Since we're uh, talking about uh, infrastructure in Washington and spending money on uh, shoring up roads and bridges and power lines and everything else uh, from sea to shining sea, uh, how much would it cost to uh, harden uh, power lines and uh, 
pipelines uh, against uh, cyber attacks and to uh, modernize the equipment uh, that that gives them access to the Internet? Billions, uh, probably trillions. Uh, Tom Brokaw wrote a book a couple years ago called Lights Out that discusses the vulnerability of the uh, power grid uh, across the nation and, and the vulnerabilities that we have with our, our generators and transformers. Uh, the fact that they're made over the only place they are manufactured is over in China and can take months or even years to get the devices over here. Uh, and, and yet the Chinese and the Russians are the ones that are hacking us. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's some major uh, money, major manufacturing uh, that has to be done so that we can start bringing some of this manufacturing over to the United States um, and uh, building private networks as opposed to Internet publicly based uh, uh, networks to maintain and manage them. Would you say that in this situation we got lucky? Absolutely. The fact that they're back up in a week uh, is is incredible. Um, obviously, the the Russian government, the Chinese government, don't want to bring us to our knees. They do want to make money, um, but uh, but they're not going to to make it so bad that we can't uh, recover from it because they have investments here. Um, the thing we have to remember too, though, is the Russians and the the Chinese are not the only ones with the, this technology. We are able to do this as well. Uh, fortunately, uh, we're a little bit more, uh, you know, laid back and, and don't go attacking uh, like this. But uh, this is a, a sample of the Russian government not necessarily doing it themselves, but closing an eye uh, to what their their hackers are doing out there so that they can make some money. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jerry Irvine, CIO, Prescient Solutions in Chicago and member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force talking about the battlefield of the 21st century. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, Ford is set to make significant technological upgrades to its cars and trucks. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Ford says it's set to employ new technology allowing for significant upgrades in connectivity. We're joined by Paul Hockman, president, Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show based in uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Uh, It sounds like Ford is uh, taking a page out of the Tesla playbook where uh, you can now or Ford vehicles will uh, get all those software upgrades the same way we upgrade all the apps in our phones through uh, cell phone data streams. That's exactly right. In fact, I'd say Tesla's actually took in 2012 because they became the first automaker automaker to do that uh, over the air. OTA is what they call it, uh, sort of upgrades. Um, they took a, a page out of the playbook of almost every laptop manufacturer in the world, um, including Apple and all the uh, PCs. Namely, when there's a software upgrade available, it you can set it, your laptop, for example, uh, to have that upgrade happen automatically at a certain hour or right now if you do want to do it manually. Same thing happened with uh, with Tesla. The thing that's really exciting about this is that more and more vehicles are built by wire, basically. In other words, a lot of the commands that you send to it, everything from as, something as basic as putting your foot on the gas and hitting the brake to changing gears is now controlled over a wire as opposed to something mechanical. Now, what that means also is it's controlled by software. So to the extent that it's possible, Ford, uh, taking a page, as you said, from Tesla, 
is going to allow all those new systems, and there are lots more systems now than there were 10 years ago, to be upgraded by literally just getting connected to a hotspot. And then very quickly, Ford says this could also be a very lucrative revenue stream for them as they will have access to all the this data coming from uh, their fleet of automobiles. Uh, what can Ford learn from their drivers? Well, actually, what they can learn either from the drivers or the vehicle itself is, is something going wrong? Uh, in other words, if, if there is something that can be helped via a software uh, update, instead of dragging a whole bunch of drivers and therefore uh, some dissatisfied customers into dealerships all over the country, uh, they, they just did this. In fact, uh, there was an update to an F-150 for a battery drainage issue, and it saved, according to Ford, more than $20 million in warranty costs. Because now that, that battery drainage issue, which, again, is a software problem usually, not hardware, uh, was updated over the air. Nobody had to go in. Somebody had to press a button in a hotspot. And lo and behold, uh, 100,000 F-150s got fixed without going to the dealer. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Paul Hockman, president, Humongous Media, former tech editor of the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.